Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you're not saved, then your life will surely show that too. Someone can profess to be a Christian, but does their life really show that they are indeed truly born again of the Spirit of God? They can profess to be a Christian, but the lifestyle they practice may show something entirely different. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. Our lives will ultimately show whether or not we're saved. Pastor J.D. shares with us traits which can be expected in a person who has salvation. We learned that once we've accepted Jesus into our hearts, we should long to be like him and sin no more. This will be seen in the way we live our lives and through the fruits which we inspire. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 5 with part 1 of his message, Doubting One's Salvation. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 5. If I could trouble you to stand, if you're able. If not, that's all right. You can follow along as I read. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and says, by the Spirit, verse 5, For of this you can be sure, no immoral impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, verse 7 Do not be partners with them. So I want to talk about something very important today, and it has to do with a question that I'm often asked as a pastor concerning the assurance of salvation or doubting one's salvation or even doubting someone else's salvation. Uh, Actually, this is the reason I decided to only take and tackle three verses today, because before us in the text that we have, we have a very important truth, and it's uh, one for which there has been great misunderstanding. It's my hope and prayer, and I always prepare my heart in prayer before a teaching in God's Word, and On this particular uh, topic and matter, I uh, have been praying, and my hope is is that the Holy Spirit will enable me to teach this clearly and and simply. Uh, My hope is that it will in some way clear up some of the uncertainty surrounding the most important decision that any of us will ever make in our lives for eternal life. Sadly, there is much in the way of confusion and even deception 
especially when it comes to knowing whether or not someone is saved or even doubting one's own salvation. I think of what the Apostle Paul is going to say when we get to chapter 6 concerning the armor of God, the whole armor of God. It's interesting to note that the helmet that protects the mind is metaphorically the helmet of salvation. In other words, it's that helmet of salvation that protects the mind from the doubts that the enemy tries to plant in our minds. Keep in mind that the enemy cannot read our minds. However, he can put thoughts into our minds. And we need to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? That means that whenever a thought comes in, we need to capture it, catch it, stop it, and take it, and see if it's compatible with the words of Christ, with the word of God. So here comes a thought, and... It's not the Lord, it's the enemy, and it starts putting this doubt in your mind, especially concerning your salvation. And that's what I want to talk about today. The good news is, is this ought not be. And thankfully, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is going to provide us with the way that we can know with a certainty, a certainty that we are saved or someone we love is saved. I love First John chapter 5, and you might want to write this down or even turn there in your Bibles. This is such a profound and powerful promise in God's Word. The Apostle John Uh, in his first epistle, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, says this. Listen. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may, keyword, know, know, that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Don't let, please listen, don't let the enemy get away with trying to plant seeds of doubt concerning your salvation because on the authority of God's word, you can know that you have eternal life. You are saved, period. Put on the helmet of salvation and don't let the enemy get away with doing that to you. You'll forgive the childlike simplicity with which I say this, but you remember that children's song? If you're saved and you know it, then your life will sure... Sorry, I'm totally... uh, (laughs) This is why I don't stand up here and sing with the worship team. (laughs) If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, I know that I'm saved. How do you know that you're saved? Because my life surely shows that I'm saved. However, 
and there is a however here, (laughs) so too is the opposite true. And in effect, this is exactly what Paul is saying in verses 5 through 7, such that if you're not saved, then your life will surely show that too. Someone can profess to be a Christian, but does their life really show that they are indeed truly born again of the Spirit of God? They can profess to be a Christian, but the lifestyle they practice may show something entirely different. Enter our text today where the Apostle Paul, true to form, is going to hit this head on. First notice in verse 5 where he says that we can be sure of this. We can know this for a certainty. No fornicator, impure, or covetous person who are idolaters will enter the kingdom of God. Then in verse 6 he gets to the heart of the matter and he says... We're not to let anyone deceive us with empty words. What does that mean? Uh, That means don't let anybody deceive you with this false hope that you're saved when you're really not. And he says, because God's wrath is on those who practice disobedience. Then in verse 7, he goes on to say that, We're not to be partakers or partners in, and this is a key word, and I want you to hang on to it because we're going to come back to it throughout the rest of our time together in Ephesians. It's the word practice. In other words, these are those who are practicing a lifestyle, practicing a lifestyle of willful and even habitual disobedience. Paul expounds on these practices and echoes this warning in his letter to the churches in Galatia, chapter 5, Galatians, verses 19 through 21. Listen to what he says. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Interesting that dissensions are in the same list with murders. Notice verse 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, which basically means a lifestyle of partying, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who, and here's that word again, practice such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. First John chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, the apostle John says this, Little children, Let no one deceive you. There it is again. The implication is is that we can be deceived concerning our salvation. 
We can be given this false hope, these empty words, if you will, that, you know, if I'm a good enough person, then I'll go to heaven. I can assure you that there's going to be a lot of very bad people in heaven. I'll be at the front of that line, and you won't be too far behind me, so don't look at me all spiritual. (laughs) And then there's going to be a lot of very good people in hell. And oh, by the way, um, and this is this is hard. Uh, Whenever I do a memorial service, and I don't know for a certainty whether or not the person who is deceased had come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And one of the most heartbreaking things that I I hear as a pastor is, oh, they're in a better place. These are empty words. This, This is a false hope because it comes packaged with this notion, better said, deception, that we all go to heaven in the end. That's not what the Bible says. There's actually a teaching, and I don't want to get into it in the interest of time, but it's called universalism, which basically suggests that in the end, at the end of the day, everybody goes to heaven. Now, I would just simply ask, and listen, I'm not the sharpest knife in the kitchen drawer, but I mean, just think this through logically with me. If everybody goes to heaven in the end, then why, pray tell, did Jesus come and go to that cross and suffer the unthinkable and the unspeakable to die for our sins. What was the point if we're all going to go to heaven? Well, that's another topic for another time. Another, the roommate of that false teaching is uh, this uh, teaching of annihilationism, which basically says there's no hell. In fact, there was a, well, I I said I wasn't going to go into that, and I just sort of did. So let's um, get back to our sermon already in progress. So verse, uh, let me start over. (laughs) Little children, let no one deceive you. He who, here's that word again, practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, speaking of Jesus, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed, his capitalized Jesus, seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not, and you're going to get tired of hearing this word, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Matthew chapter 7, lastly. You might want to turn there because this is going to be germane to our understanding of where we're going. I want to read verses 15 through 23. Jesus is speaking. 
and says, and here's that deception again, that, that propensity for being deceived by false teachings and false teachers and false prophets. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them. I can know them? I can spot them? Yeah. How? By their fruits. Hang on to that. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree, verse 18, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, and he says it again, by their fruits you will know them. And then he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then verse 23, Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never, keyword knew, Hang on to that one too. I've given you a lot to hang on here uh, to, haven't I? Hang on to that. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice, practice lawlessness. Okay. Hang in there with me, okay? (laughs) I'm going to try to bring all this together so that it's understandable. I wanted to take that time to lay that foundation so that we can answer the question that is before us today. And it is a question that we can answer. Specifically, that of knowing for sure that I am saved. As well, someone that I really care about is truly saved. I can know. So, It's not exhaustive, but what follows are three ways that we can know that we or someone else we care about and love is saved. The first way to know is that I will have experienced the new birth in Christ. Um, Just as our children, when they're born, have birthmarks, Well, there are spiritual birthmarks as well that will mark the new birth in Christ. I want to draw your attention back to this word new. When Jesus says to them, depart from me, I never knew you. In the original language of the Greek New Testament, it's the Greek word ginosko. And ginosko means experiential knowledge. It's also in the Hebrew an idiom for, and you'll forgive me, but it's the idiom for sexual intercourse. 
in the Old Testament, we read where he went into the tent and knew her. That was the consummation of the experience of the experiential knowledge of that person. Do you see kind of what Jesus is saying here? Um, Depart from me. Yeah, I know you cast out demons in my name. I know that you uh, professed to be a Christian and professed my name. I know you did all these things in my name, but I never had that intimate spiritual intercourse with you. I've never known you in that way. And thus there's never been any conception where the seed was met with the fertility so that there was a conception of new life. There was no new birth. There there was no experience. There was no, if you will, intercourse in the spiritual sense. I I didn't know you in that way. Depart from me. There's... This is why in John 3, verse 3, Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Very interesting. Uh, you know when the uh, angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says to her, uh, you are with child <laughs> and you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world and Mary in a stunning disbelief, says to Gabriel, how can that possibly be? I've never known a man. She uses the same word, ginosko. I'm going to say this, and please know my heart. I I want to be as honest and, and genuine as I possibly can, if you're practicing a sinful lifestyle and you think you're a Christian, I cannot stand before you today and say to you that you will go to heaven, that you have eternal life. In fact, I need to say to you that you, unless you're born again, will be one of those to whom Jesus will say, Depart from me. I never knew you that way. There was no conception. There was no new birth. After we accept Jesus into our lives, we start a journey of faith with him. We don't always grow in our faith, though. Pastor J.D.'s messages in the book of Ephesians encourage us to continually seek to grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with our Savior. We can't get comfortable and complacent in our walks. By spending time with other believers, diving into the Word, and spending time in communication with Jesus, we'll continue to grow closer to Him. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D. Farag's teaching today. We'd like to tell you how you can access additional messages. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. Take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
This app is free and provides you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and even the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. looks into the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Join us on Facebook as well and keep up to date on everything that's happening at In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for joining us today. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Ephesians next time on In Spirit and Truth.